Today on Hardwired. Antichrist will rise quickly to a place of prominence. He'll be hailed a problem-solving genius. But folks, here's the deal. He's the devil in disguise. In my opinion, the most demon-possessed man in the history of the world. Certainly the most demonically used man in the history of the world. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, we're going through the Book of Revelation on Hardwired. It's been a great series so far, very exciting very informative, very illuminating. And today we're going to continue with a group of men that you are going to immediately recognize as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Most people that know anything about the Bible or the book of Revelation, this is what they know about. They know about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. There's been movies made about it, books written about it. But we're going to see today exactly who these four horsemen are what they stand for, what they represent, and how they will affect planet Earth. So, I can't wait to share part two of the message, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Let's jump right in. Tonight, we're going to look at the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Last time, we covered chapters four and five. In chapters four and five, I was sharing with you, give us a much-needed view of incredible worship taking place in heaven. We need to see this. It's like a prelude, literally, to hell on earth because that's what the judgments of God are gonna bring. Now, we caught a beautiful glimpse of what heaven is gonna look like. Uh, It's full of worship. If you don't like worship, learn now because that's what you're gonna be doing in heaven. That's That's what's going on. When you come into the presence of the Lord, you can't help but worship and cast your crowns at his feet. Amen? We're going to need what we saw in chapters four and five because next God's awesome judgments begin. Now, chapters six through 19 vividly predict and describe what has historically been called the Great Tribulation, which occupies 14 of the 22 chapters of this book. All right? The Great Tribulation is the climactic hour of God's judgment on a Christ-rejecting world. And we're going to see that as we go through this book, that even with the judgments of God falling, the people are looking up and shaking their fist in the face of God and blaspheming his name, even though they know that it's his judgments. And it sets the stage for the return of Christ in a brand new world. British historian Arnold Toynbee wrote, by forcing on mankind more and more lethal weapons and at the same time making the whole world more and more interdependent economically, technology has brought mankind to such a degree of stress that we are ripe for deifying any new Caesar 
that might succeed in giving the world unity and peace. Right now, we're watching all the nuclear saber rattling Russia towards Ukraine, Putin threatening nuclear war, China testing missile delivery systems that go faster than anything has ever gone. They can circle the globe in a stunning amount of time. We're surrounded by nuclear arsenal, way, way more than enough to take the world out over and over again. And so no wonder the stress, especially of the unsaved, is so high. I can't imagine seeing this world through the eyes of being lost, having no God, no Christ, no promises, no Bible, no Holy Spirit comforting me, strengthening me, no word of God guiding me, shining light on my path. I can't imagine being in this world without Jesus. Can you? It would be a very scary place. No wonder people are checking out. No wonder they're drowning themselves in drugs and alcohol and all kinds of weird occult practices and so on and so forth. The rider of the white horse represents the arrival of the man who will become for a brief time the world's conquering hero and ruling Caesar, the Antichrist. He'll look noble. He'll look righteous. He'll look gallant. He'll be charismatic. He'll be persuasive. He'll be an incredible orator. That's why so many people were convinced that Hitler was the Antichrist because he was a perfect type, charismatic, could, could hold hundreds of thousands of people spellbound with his oratory. He seemed to solve so many problems for Germany overnight. And many people in the West thought, there, there he is, that's the Antichrist, we're there. But he wasn't, he was just a type. He was a type. He was a good type, but he wasn't the one. Antichrist will rise quickly to a place of prominence. He'll be hailed a problem-solving genius. But folks, here's the deal. He's the devil in disguise. The most, in my opinion, the most demon-possessed man in the history of the world. Certainly the most demonically used man in the history of the world. Does he come about by an immaculate conception from below? No, no. He's a human being with the fallen nature of Adam, but Satan lays hold of this man. Remember what it says about Judas. It says Satan entered Judas's heart. You remember that? Satan entered Judas's heart. He had already decided that he was gonna betray Jesus, but then it says after that, Satan entered his heart and he went straight out and told the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, how to get to him, telling them, I'll take you to him tonight. But it says Satan entered his heart. Satan will enter this man's heart on a level unseen, in my opinion, in the history of the world. Now, once the white horse rides and he steps onto the world stage, the next seal is opened. Revelation 6, three to four, after the lamb breaks the second seal, the second living creature with the attributes of a calf cried out, come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. The red horse is testimony to this, that the world peace the Antichrist brings only temporarily will soon fade away. For the next horse, this red one, is the fiery horse of war. 
Paul the apostle wrote of this when he said, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, peace, peace, then disaster will fall upon them suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pain sees her and there'll be no escape. You don't put your faith in a wicked person. If you're looking for peace, look to the Prince of Peace, not the phony fakes. Amen? Amen. Now, let's talk about war a minute. During the 20th century, two major world wars engulfed the globe, unlike anything the world had ever seen. Dozens of nations were involved, resulted in the deaths of millions of people. As a matter of fact, I looked it up. Approximately 11 million people died in WW1. You know how many died in WW2? 60 million. WW1 was just a prelude to WW2. So 71 million people died in the first half of the 20th century. 71 million people died in war in the first half of the 20th century. Unimaginable. But midway through the Great Tribulation, the world's going to be plunged into a conflict without parallel. With the release of this red horse, the greatest war in the history of mankind is going to take place. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. It'll be fought in the Valley of Megiddo. I've been there. I've stood there and looked out at that lush, that lush looking, beautiful Valley of Megiddo. Napoleon stood there and Napoleon said these words, not being a believer. He said, the armies of the world could fight here. Napoleon said that. Little did he know he was speaking scripturally because the armies of the world will fight there. Jesus warned of this battle that if he didn't return, no flesh would live. This battle precedes his return. Jesus said, for then there will be great tribulation, affliction, distress, and oppression, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be again. Now, I, I pulled these words. Look, it's not ever been, this war not ever been, isn't now, and never will be again. It's unparalleled. And if those days had not been shortened, Jesus said, no human being would endure and survive. But for the sake of the elect, God's chosen ones, those days will be shortened by the grace and mercy of God. So there's gonna be war. Remember Jesus said, they said, what, are, what is the sign of your coming, Lord? And at the end of the age, he said, you're gonna hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that your heart is not troubled for nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. The word for nation is ethnos. It means ethnicity. I believe he's predicting race wars there. Ethnicity against ethnicity and kingdom against kingdom. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Ethnic wars and wars for other reasons. But they're always not the right reason. Well, not always. Sometimes you have to defend yourself. And that's a just war if you've got to defend yourself. But there's going to be these wars. Christ predicted it. And now here again in the Revelation, we see the red horse galloping. And then we come to the next one. The lamb broke the third seal. I heard the living being say, come. And I looked up and I saw a black horse. And its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings saying, quote, a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil and the wine. Now the scales represent, I believe in this verse, the inequality of goods. 
an inequality that will exist in the world in the day of the tribulation that will be stark, that will be brazen, that will be outstanding. It's the scales, they're tipped, they're tipped unfairly. The black horse represents famine. No question about it. Jesus said, in the days preceding my return, famines will increase worldwide. Clearly, massive inflation, in my opinion, is suggested here if you've got to work an entire day for a loaf of bread. I'm starting to wonder about that right now. We're at 8.5% inflation. You been to the store lately and seen those empty shelves? John mentions oil and wine, which are luxuries, not necessities. The, the loaf of bread is a necessity. You got to have it to live. But the oil and the wine, these are luxury items. Oil represents toiletries, beauty aids, body conditioners, things you don't have to have. They are, they are, uh, they are options if you have the money. The wine speaks of another luxury item not everybody's going to be able to buy. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Now, I'm just going to step out and tell you what I think I'm seeing here. And I've read others. I'm not alone in this. It's very possible John is describing the total breakdown of a middle class. Because you have two extremes. You have a minority that can afford the luxury items. And you have a majority that are working all day for a loaf of bread. Where's the middle class? There will be a few rich that can afford luxury items with the vast majority stricken with famine. That's what it says. If you're working all day to get a loaf of bread, what about utilities? What about shelter? What about gasoline? What about energy? What about all the other things? Not forget bread. But the fact he mentions bread is like, just to get what you need to stay alive is where the majority are. Let me give you an interesting fact or two. Today, the wealthiest 10% of Americans, follow this, the wealthiest 10% of Americans own a record 89% of all U.S. stocks. 10% own 89%. Scales. The total wealth of the top 1% Bill Gates, the Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. The total wealth of the top 1% now tops 32% of the country's entire financial wealth. Here's another one. 59 Americans own more wealth than half the country. Scales. The black horse, the rider is holding scales. Great inequality extreme polarization regarding goods, material goods. This polarization of rich and poor with a diminishing or non-existent middle class is what the time of the tribulation is going to look like. How many of you are glad you may not, well, you won't be there. I say you may not because if you don't know Jesus, you better listen closely. 
And speaking of the famine the Black Horse brings, as of the latest 22 statistics from the Action Against Hunger Organization, catch this, almost 1 billion people worldwide are on the brink of starvation. 1 billion people. Roughly 10% of the world's total population. 1 billion people near starvation right now. We go to bed or we get ready to go to bed. We make a piece of toast or whatever and we sit down and maybe watch the news. I hope you don't, but if you do, God bless you. God be with you. Plead the blood. You're being lied to most of the time. But 1 billion people near starvation right now. One, Not 1 million, not 500 million. 1 billion go to bed hungry in the world right now. But consider this, after the horrific war the Red Horse brings, famine's gonna be even worse because harvest fields are decimated, supply chains are destroyed, access to food is shut down. Everything we've seen in microcosm during the COVID plague is gonna be multiplied with the release of the horses of the apocalypse. When the Red Horse of War rides, the Black Horse of Famine follows right behind. That's always been the case with war. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we win as many people to Christ every day that we can. This is why we are nationwide on radio and it, it's only gonna get better. We're only gonna reach further. Right now we have plans to reach further because the answer to the world's need right now is the gospel of Jesus Christ in which is the power of God unto salvation. All right, we got one seal to go. How many can say, I can take it? We got one seal to go. Here comes the fourth seal. And the fourth living creature with the face of an eagle cries out. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, come. I looked up and I saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named death. So we got white horse, red horse, black horse, pale horse. Now look at, there's two riders on this horse, not just one. I saw the horse, its color was pale green. Its rider, the, the main rider was named Death, but he had a companion, the grave. What a great duo. Wouldn't you love to meet them in the dark of night? All right, so here's a pale horse, and on top of this horse, two riders, <laughs> Death and the grave. And these two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth. Follow me on this now one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, famine, disease, and wild animals. Now, the fourth horseman, again, is called Death, and he rides a pale horse. Now, the Greek reads hippos chloros. Hippos is the Greek for horse. Chloros is for pale. We get the word cholera from the Greek word pale. Chloros, cholera. The pale horse is clearly plague. It's been nicknamed the blue death because your skin turns bluish gray or pale. So here's John, he's prophesying. Jesus is showing him this. He's just writing it down because Jesus told him, write down what you see and what you hear. So John's writing it down. So here comes this pale horse as if the first three weren't bad enough. Here comes the pale horse and it's plague. Jesus said there will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and there will be plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. That's Luke 21, verse 11. When you, know, when you read Jesus' 
prophecies for the last days prior to his return. You got Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. Matthew 24 is the most expansive, but Luke adds in chapter 21 some things Matthew 24 doesn't have. Now, in the Revelation, John is witnessing a fulfillment of Christ's own predictions. But of course, it's the same Jesus revealing to John all that he's seen. The Jesus that spoke in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, that same Jesus is showing John in the Revelation what's coming. When this fourth horse rides, one-fourth of the earth's population will be wiped out in quick succession. Can you believe that? Is that not staggering? Let's take a backward glance into history as we come to a close for perspective. The worst plague in the history of the world was the Black Plague, sometimes called the Black Death. It killed one-fourth of Europe in the 14th century. One-fourth of Europe. Over 75 million people died worldwide. 75 million worldwide. And that's in the population back in the 14th century. They weren't anywhere near where we are now. So it afflicted a couple of uh, hundred million people. Two-thirds of those that got it managed to survive. But even at that, 75 million died. But John predicts a coming plague that'll wipe out one-fourth of not just Europe, but the entire world. This is why we tell people, come to Christ, repent, get right, get saved. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't use the devil's favorite word, someday. Because this is what's coming on this world. As of 2022, the latest census report is this. There's about 8 billion people on planet Earth. A quarter of that, 2 billion. 2 billion people when the fourth horse rides will be taken out. You know, it's real possible that the pestilence will be germ or biological warfare. I fully believe COVID came from a lab. Now you can think what you want. I'm still saved. You're still saved if you disagree. But I believe it came from a lab. I believe it was actually intended to be used as germ biological warfare. Now, was it a leak? It might've been a leak. But why in the world were they intentionally trying to create it? It's just an example. Because we are living in a day of not just nuclear threat, but biological and germ warfare is very real. If we knew what was going on in some laboratories around the world, we would probably all head to the altar right now and get on our face and cry out for the power of God to be poured out on the world all over again. Nobody knows for certain where the plague will come from. Chloros, hippos chloros, the horse pale. All in all, during the release of these four dreaded horsemen of the apocalypse, one out of every four human beings are gonna die. So, so far, John has painted a chilling portrait of the final hours of civilization. Keep in mind that these events are falling on a Christ-rejecting, godless and unrepentant world who are going to have been given all kinds of time to repent. Remember, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes. The judges of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Amazingly, we're going to see later in our study that as these terrible judgments fall, man knows that it's God judging him. And yet he does two things. He turns his face to heaven and curses and blasphemes God. And then he 
calls out to Mother Earth for help. It says he asks the rocks and the mountains to fall on him. He prays to the rocks and the mountains to fall on him instead of praying to the God who can deliver him. That's crazy. But that'll be the mindset of man in the tribulation. Well, while the apostle might have assumed it couldn't get much worse, it could and it does, cosmic chaos is about to erupt with the opening of the final three seals and John will behold signs in the heavens, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And we're gonna look at that next time. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, Your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.